Welcome to Unity of Tucson. I want to start with this lyric today. It doesn't need to be so hard to live this life. We haven't strayed so far. Our souls just wait for us to decide. What a profound lyric. It doesn't need to be so hard to live this life. We haven't strayed so far. Our souls just wait for us to decide. What is it waiting for us to, what are our souls waiting for us to decide? How many of us are holding back in our lives? It's a good question to ask. What are our souls waiting for us to decide? You know, I, I mentioned it earlier, and I mentioned it every single day on the Mindful Moment, that it is through the engagement of spiritual practice that my life has gotten better. And so that is why it is important to me to allow an opportunity for others to perhaps get a little bit of what I've gotten. That's my only purpose in ministry, is to be in that when Harry met Sally paradigm and live my life to such a degree that people will say, oh, I'll have what he's having. (laughs) And I have incorporated tools in my life, and I'm here to teach those tools to help everyone step into the most magnificent life that they can potentially live. And you have infinite potential in the expression of your life. So what are our souls waiting for us to decide? It's a rhetorical question. Perhaps they are truly waiting for us to remember who we are, to remember the truth of our being. How many of us struggle? How many of us struggle loving ourselves just as we are? I went through a period of that struggle myself. Sometimes I forget. You ever forget? Sometimes I forget the truth of my beingness. And that's when life seems to fall apart and life becomes a struggle. Was it always this way? No. But I think about that song. What were you like as a child? What were you like as a child? You know, when we're children, when we are born, I believe, you know, well, at least I can speak from my own experience. When I was a child, my days were quite carefree. I, 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 I had a perception that my life was easy. I had this perception of ease, even if it wasn't easy. I didn't consider that the circumstances of my life were hard in any way. I just lived life. So it brings up the question for me, at what point did I buy into, and let's ask ourselves this question, at what point did we buy into, and it is something we've bought into, what point did we buy into the notion that life is hard? At what point did we buy into This idea that the greatest benefits of our life follow the challenges in our life. At what point do we buy into this idea that through struggle we could prove our value to the world? Because I see a lot of those ideas being proliferated and expressed and going around and people living their lives from this concept that, oh, 
It's going to get better. And boy, when it gets better on the other side of this struggle that I'm having, boy, my life will have value. Your life has value right here and right now. At what point did we leave that notion, that concept behind? Because as children, I don't think we doubt our value. Children are very precocious. They have no doubt around their value in this world. Perhaps what it is is we've left the wonder, the approach to life through the eyes of wonder. Perhaps we've left that behind on some some level. I love that, you know, that saying, all who wander are not lost. And I have actually changed it for myself sometimes to say, all who wonder are not lost. Because I think, too, when we live through the eyes of wonder, people look at us and go, boy, they're really out to lunch. Their heads are in the clouds. Like, what's going on with them, right? We're not lost. We're living the most imaginative life. And when we live within that imagination, life flows forth in a magnificent way. So there is value in the approach to life, seeing through the eyes of wonder, just as children do. And when we lose that, and you know, I go back and forth. Sometimes I lose that. I look for ways to regain it. How about you? When I was a child, I used to love to play dress up. And you know, I think there are some children out there who uh, who, who love that expression of imagination. I think it was a pre- precursor to my previous career in the theater. You know, in the theater, it's a lot of dress up and a lot of living other people's lives, which there's a whole talk around that, but not, not for today. So I used to love to play dress up and live within the imagination. And my sister and I, we would put on these shows and do these lip sync performances, mainly lip sync performances. We never, it's funny because I'm a singer now, but I never really sang live in these shows that we would put on. We would do these lip sync performances. We would sell tickets, sell tickets to the neighborhood. And we would set, we, I remember we had this, old door, and we had this old door, and we put it up on cinder blocks, and that's how we created a little stage out in the side yard, and we would sell tickets to the neighborhood, and boy, they would come, and they would be very kind, and watch our shows, and applaud, and I'm sure that they were thinking, oh, this is not going anywhere. It's not Broadway-worthy, that's for sure. But I look back on that, and how carefree we were. We didn't, we didn't really think about the critics, <laughs> We didn't think about the criticisms of the people that were watching, and a lot of actors could learn from that. It was just a carefree life. It was just a carefree life. And I look back on that life, and I have great admiration for who that person was. And so this song, there was a day when I led this carefree life, and I get to decide the degree to which I embody and express that carefree life now and evermore. The only thing that holds me back is me. When I look back at my childhood, it brings great thoughts of joy. What can you look back upon in your childhood that brings thoughts of great joy to you? Just allow yourself to acknowledge that there is something within that. There's something within your past that brought great joy, and to what degree can you allow that to be embodied and expressed now in your new life as the person you are now? How can you begin to reclaim that joy? We live in a society 
We live in a culture that offers us many, many opportunities to reconsider the life we are living. We are met with opportunities to reconsider the life we are living in the words of others, in the reflections in the world of form. We live in a world where we are subject to the opinions and decisions of others to the degree that we allow that. And when we allow that, we can easily lose sight of our truth. And what happens is when we lose sight of our truth, we diminish ourselves. Our only responsibility in this life is to show up authentically. And I think that our authentic selves are solely rooted in one thing and one thing only. Love. We talk in classes sometimes about divine will and human will and the willpower and these, these concepts of, you know, what it is that life wants for itself in its expression as us. And I think ultimately it's knowing who we are and living authentically from that point of view that we are love. Sometimes we're led astray and we limit the expression of that love. We limit, the, we limit that expression of love. There are times when we can take on this need for approval from others. And when we take on that need for approval of others, we are led astray. It begins to outweigh our expression of uniqueness. Have you ever had, here's what I've, it, it, this is, I refer to it as this. Have you ever had a recognition that you might have an inner saboteur looping in your mind? There have been times in my life where that saboteur has mentioned to me or repeated on a loop saying, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not seasoned enough. That's when I get all the time, because I'll tell you what, People look at me and they say, you're a minister? Because there's this idea that ministers are of a certain age. <laughs> and that you cannot be, you cannot, you cannot embody the wisdom of ministry until you have reached a certain age. And, and, and I'll tell you what, the people in the room are laughing because there's truth to that, right? People have this idea. They say, you're, you, you look so young. You're not seasoned enough to be a minister. But who decided, this is the question, who decided that there needed to be any, any sort of level of expression of my life that was, that was related to what you think to make me worthy of the life I am living? And this is the question we can all be asking of ourselves. To what degree do we take on the opinions and judgments of others to bolster us, to make our lives seem worthy? Does any of this sound familiar? Is there an inner saboteur that you are living with? Perhaps you're living with it right now. I've had that experience 
recently. But the good news is, it is through spiritual practice that I embody the principles and I put the tools to use to allow myself to address the words of that inner saboteur and say, I know who I am. I remember who I am. I am the full expression of love. And there is no opinion of anyone else that can diminish the truth of my being. But here's one thing that happens when you let that inner saboteur hold stock in your mind, and that's what it's doing. It is holding stock in your mind. When it does that, the circumstances of your world and the expressions of your life show up to support the messages that the inner saboteur is telling you. Because what we think, what we believe, creates the expression of our lives. So if we are holding on to these ideas of you're not good enough, I guarantee you the things are going to show up in your life that say you're not good enough. If you are holding on to the things and the ideas that say you're not smart enough, then what's going to happen is the circumstances of your world are going to begin to support that idea of you're not smart enough. If you are holding on to the idea in your own mind that you are not seasoned enough, you are not wise enough, you are not anything enough, then the circumstances of your world are going to show up to support that notion. So the point of change is you. The point of change rests entirely with you. It can show up as many things. One of the most detrimental can be those opinions of others, right? I want to acknowledge that those opinions are only showing us reflections of our inner life. And when we understand that that's the paradigm, when we understand that our entire experience and expression of the world is a reflection of our inner life, that we don't have to go out there and coerce the outside world to do or be anything for us, that the thing we need to address is that idea, those things that are within, then we have up-leveled our awareness and life shows up accordingly. Now, there are degrees of belief. How deeply do you believe the ideas of your inner saboteur? I've had the experience of letting those things, ah, you ready for this? I've had the experience of letting those things become purity tests for the way I live my life. Tests which which I have taken on to prove to myself my value. And when we let those purity tests show up, they can keep us from fully participating in life. Are you smart enough? What's the answer to that? Are you spiritual enough? What's the answer to that? Are you old enough? What's the answer to that? Are you young enough? What's the answer to that? Because if you look at the world, it'll tell you all the answers that you probably don't want to hear. Any question that challenges your value, that shows up in your life, any question that shows up in your life that challenges your value might be a purity test which you have embodied. So ask yourself this question. What are the purity tests that I have embodied that are keeping me from living fully? Now, there may not be an immediate answer, but it's a good question for contemplation. What are the purity tests which I have embodied that are keeping me from living my life fully? And as answers come up for you, what I'm going to encourage you to do is to say to yourself, I recognize and know the wholeness of God is available to me, through me, and as me at all times. 
that I am not relegated to the limitations of those purity tests, those ideas which limit my expression. The wholeness of God is available to me, through me, and as me at all times. In what way might it be limiting to accept these tests and apply them to our lives? Let go of them. They're not required. Anytime we accept a test as necessary to our value, we diminish our light. Anytime we accept a test as necessary to our value, we diminish our light. Our work is to show up authentically. And, and, this is the part where it gets a little tricky sometimes. If our work is to show up authentically, then we must also have the willingness to allow others to do the same free of judgment. Because we can turn that idea, we can turn that question around and ask the question this way. What are the purity tests we require of others to let them participate in our lives? That's a question for contemplation for sure. To what degree do we diminish others in our own minds because they don't meet our expectations? To what degree do we think they aren't wise enough or they aren't attractive enough or they aren't spiritual enough to be participants in our lives? And I know everybody's out there going, oh, but I'm different. But there are things that happen at the level of awareness and below the level of awareness that are operating and showing up as the expression of your life. So it is up to us to pull those things at the, below, that are below the level of awareness to the level of awareness so that we can ask these questions and become more motivated with the love that is in our hearts to be fully expressed and let go of the opinions and judgments that we have of others. And when we do that, we let go of the opinions and judgments we have of ourselves and life gets better. All I'm ever talking about, life getting better. Is it possible that those questions, those questions, you know, uh, the, 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 you know, oh, is this person wise enough to be part of my life? Is it possible that those questions that we have of others are actually the questions that we have of ourselves? Do you have the, the tenacity, and it is, it takes tenacity, do you have the tenacity to show up, to come as you are authentically in this expression of life? And then ask yourself, what does that look like? If I let go of the opinions of others, if I go back to that very first day, and I'm not talking about when I was born into this incarnation, I'm now talking about going back to that point at which I was a first cause idea that showed up free of any of these considerations. A day when I was at peace, a day when we were all at peace, preceding that physical childhood. Let's go back to being the first cause of our life life. And that first cause is what? Love. There was a time, there was a day, before we allowed the effects to determine the course of our lives and expression. There was a day before we allowed any of that stuff to take hold. Lao Tzu says, care about what other people think and you will always be their prisoner. Care about what other people think, and you will always be their prisoner. Let go of the limitations 
that you hold in your own mind that are keeping yourself imprisoned by yourself. Let go and know who you are. You are a shining light on a hill whose brilliance should never be diminished. Remember who you are. Celebrate who you are. Every day, every way, come as you are. Namaste. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.